Welcome to Food Safety University and this week's episode of the podcast. And I am super excited because today I've got Erin Austin and she is a consultant and coach that helps people who uh, are going to sell their business. And if you've been around here for any time at all, you know I am all, all in on beginning as you mean to continue. This is a completely fascinating interview. I learned so much. <laughs> so go find her on LinkedIn, Erin Austin, and tune on in, grab your pen and paper, everybody, and I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to Food Safety University. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele, and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you. Every week we cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. So grab a pen and paper because every week you're going to need it. See you on the inside. And welcome to this week's episode of the Food Safety University podcast. I am so excited to be here because we have a great interview lined up uh, for today. I'm interviewing Erin Austin. Erin and I met in a uh, LinkedIn course that we're taking uh, around, you know, growing your business on LinkedIn, which... Um, by the way, podcast listeners, all of you probably need to be doing. <laughs> so uh, I was fascinated with what Erin does, which you're going to hear about in just a moment, and decided to ask her on a podcast because the conversation that we're having today is a conversation. As a matter of fact, I just posted on LinkedIn about this today because when food manufacturers are thinking about growing or scaling their business, they have to think about their exit strategy. They have to think about how they're selling their business. And that is what Erin is an expert in. And so Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you go on ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, thank you so much, Michelle. So I'm Erin Austin. I am the founder of Think Beyond IP. I am a lawyer who has been in the intellectual property space for almost 30 years now. And uh, I have, I'm now working with the founders of service-based businesses that I help them create intellectual assets so that the business is ready to sell when the founder is ready to exit. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is to help them kind of find those hidden assets. A lot of times, you know, intellectual assets are invisible, right? And so people don't always understand what they have in their business. So, uh, you know, kind of digging in and, and uh, doing the inventory and an assessment of what people have. Um, some people are really surprised by the assets that, that are really there. And uh, so I was ex really excited to talk to Michelle because when we originally, you know, were talking about this, I'm like, oh, you know, food-based businesses, that's kind of a physical asset-driven business, isn't it? But she set me straight. <laughs> and, uh, and we started talking about all the intellectual assets that are part of a food-based business. So. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig in and talk about that. Absolutely right. And there are, and I kind of want to, um, uh, I want to start this with defining what those intellectual assets are. 
Uh, okay. Folks, this is the Food Safety University podcast, and I teach everybody how to write passive plans, preventive controls plans, and standard operating procedures. Those are intellectual property assets in your business. You will find it surpassingly difficult to have anybody take your business seriously at sale if you do not have those. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what I love about it, you know, one of the things that I talk about with, you know, kind of an expertise-based business is, you know, the secret sauce, right? You know, but in food-based business, it really is the secret sauce. That is literally, you know, one of the things that you're protecting. And, uh, and so I love that. Yeah. That's, uh, right. So like your recipe is an asset, yes. how you yes. scale that recipe, how you change that recipe, your ingredients and your sourcing lists. Yes. Yes. <laughs> those are all, those are all assets. And in local businesses, the relationships that you have with those suppliers and how you like, um, promulgate those relationships. Those are all assets in your business. So based on that, Erin, what do you wish everybody knew about selling a business? Um, Yeah. I mean, I I wish they knew that, you know, it is not just for the people that we hear about on television. You know, it's not just the SaaS companies and the auto manufacturers. It really is, you know, most of the sales that are happening are among small businesses and those, um, you know, that the ones that don't have, you know, big M&A brokers attached to it, but have business brokers attached to it. So I want everyone to think of their businesses as a possible source of wealth, that there will be um, continuing value in it. um, And, uh, and that businesses are being bought and sold all the time, but there are definitely some preparation required to make sure that you're, you're ready for it. That's fascinating. Okay, so let me just get back um, for a few definitions here. So SaaS is software as a service. Yes. Mm-hmm. People can usually figure out if it's written down, but not if we're talking about it. Yes. <laughs> but then the next thing that I want to talk about, or like I want to like clarify with you is, in the food business, we hear about these like gigantic buyouts, you know, mm-hmm. and probably kind of one of the most famous ones is when Hormel bought Applegate Farms for mm-hmm. three quarters of a billion dollars, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. Now, Applegate Farms was 20 years old. They had been right. doing things for a long time. And there are those sorts of real high profile things. There are private equity buyouts that are happening now uh, as well. But talk to us about what a business broker is, even like how do people, how do, like, what is, what is, I don't, I don't know that I've thought about business brokerage. So, so what's a business broker? <laughs> Yeah, so a business broker is kind of like, you know, if you sell real estate and you have an agent that helps represent you, helps you find buyers, helps prepare your your business, your house for sale, using that analogy. Um, and so when you have a business to sell, it is also recommended, just like you can have for sale by owner, you should uh, have representation. And so they can help you package your business, market it. Obviously, it's a product to be marketed. And they have those relationships. They know what's happening in, 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 uh, in the industry, like who's looking, what they're looking for, uh, what the last deals were, what those numbers were. You know, when you have a public company get sold, you know, the Hormels of the world and Applegates, you hear those numbers. When it's a private sale, they're not published anywhere, right? So you don't know those what's happening in the market unless you affiliate with someone who understands the industry. 
And so a you know, broker is basically your representative, your agent in packaging and helping you sell your business. They also have the relationships with, you know, the finance people and with lawyers and, you know, maybe there are HR issues or all sorts of issues that may be involved that you want to have someone who has kind of that uh, global vision um, of the industry and the details of, of making sure you get a successful sale. Okay. that makes sense. And, and so I, I would distinguish brokers from like your, the M&A firms that work with the Hormels of the world that they, they don't use brokers, right? They use M&A firms. Um, and so the brokers are for that smaller kind of mid, small to mid-sized business sale. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. And then are there, um, there are, there must be like there, you know, we have commercial transactions, lawyers or real estate agents, and we have, you know, people who specialize in buildings versus land versus houses versus, you know, rental property, you know, like income properties and that sort of thing. So there must be brokers that specialize in different kinds of businesses. Absolutely. Brokers absolutely specialize in different kinds of businesses. Um, so that's how they know, just like anyone who has a niche, the more, the better your niche, you know, the better to find your niche is, the better, the easier it is for businesses to find you. So let's say you are a food-based business and you're thinking about selling your business and you start asking people, you know, who did you use? Like, who do you know? And so you, you want to affiliate with someone who knows your industry. That's very important. Again, like having that inside track knowing what the deals are, the kinds of deals that are being made. Um, I can't say that I know, I know one off the top of my head, but absolutely there will be, there will be, um, you know, brokers that specialize in food-based businesses. All right. That sounds like a research project for me. (laughs) I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, going, finding these people and talking to them. Okay. So, um, so then what are some of the challenges your clients face when they're making their exit decisions? Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the decision is, uh, you know, how to get prepared for it. You know, the, the process of preparing for, for sale, as well as going through what's called the due diligence process, once you're on the market and people start looking at your business, is very comprehensive. Um, they are looking at everything, the things that you mentioned, you know, those relationships, the documentation, the standard operation separate standard operating procedures, you know, um, you, you, you have a certain amount of risk because you have to show them uh, your secret sauce, you know, they want to see that it is well documented. Um, and it consumes a fair amount of time. And the danger there is that at just the moment where everyone's looking at your numbers, by that I mean like your revenue and your profit numbers, that if you're taking your eye off the prize, your productivity goes down, your revenue numbers go down, and suddenly, you know, that will affect your market price. So exactly the wrong time for, for things to kind of slow down, it tends to happen during the, the sale process because it consumes so much, so much time and energy. So the, yeah, the, the challenge is kind of getting ahead of it, frankly, as much as you can. Um, there's, you know, standard things that people will want to see. And again, that is also the value of a business broker is that they will know in your industry, these are the things that people want to see. 
And so let's get these things um, in place ahead of time as much as you can so that what each individual buyer who's poking around may ask for will, won't vary that much. And hopefully you'll have as much of that prepared as possible. But yeah, but the, the, the biggest challenge is getting through that due diligence process and making sure you know that you don't, the business doesn't suffer during that process. That is completely fascinating. Uh, so you're going to have to go through due diligence, right? And in in those in the due diligence, they're going to look. I mean, I've done this for mm-hmm. for companies. You know, we look at not only floors, walls, and ceilings, but capital assets or capital assets. Mm-hmm. So, what are your suggestions for turning IP into a sellable asset? And and what are the assumptions that are people are making about their IP, and what do they get wrong about it? Uh, yeah, well, you know, people are afraid of the term intellectual property, I think, generally. But, I mean, intellectual property is a legal construct. And so in order to protect it, there are documented legal steps that you need to take. You know, it starts with, you know, the contract is the most obvious one. So uh, when you um, use a third party, perhaps, to help you develop some part of your business, making sure that you own all the rights in the deliverables. And there has to be an agreement in place to do that. When you have something like a secret sauce, that's considered a trade secret. And in order to get trade secret protection, there are things that you have to do to make sure that happens. And one of the main one is making sure that you're taking reasonable steps to keep it private. And so, you know, it's not, you know, posted on the board, you know, for, you know, for everyone to see that only those people who absolutely need to know the secret sauce have that, um, that you're putting agreements in place with everyone who comes in contact with it. Those are, that could be in the form of an employment agreement, um, or it could be in the form of a, a non-disclosure agreement, also called a confidentiality agreement. And, um, and really, uh, you know, so that's how you, you protect that. Um, if you have uh, an employee who is doing innovations to your your recipe or to your process, making sure that they're not using something that they brought from a prior prior employer, or that's not their grandmothers that everyone in the family knows too. So um, so, making sure that you are staying in control of them, both rights coming in from suppliers, employers, and making sure you're not losing control of it by not by having too, having too many people have access to it. So it's you know walking out the door with a, a former employee or with a contractor that that leaves you. So. Oh, that's really fascinating. Okay, that's and that's very interesting in today's employment situation. Yeah, I, I would think it'd be very tough, and I, I imagine, and you can tell me, you know, that it would be hard to. Um, get employees and what their tenure tends to be and you know for them to be coming out yeah with this very kind of you know special information that they have access to and that you have to share with them unless you're doing all the work yourself and so that that has to be a, a struggle um that yeah a big struggle. That's super interesting. Yeah, because the average tenure in this industry is three to five years. So like oh, okay. a manager, a QA mm-hmm. manager, somebody mm-hmm. like that. We have mm-hmm. a very high turnover. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like the work is hard um, and it's exacting, uh, you know, right. 
mess mm-hmm. up, people die, which is, you know, and, and it's not like we get compensated, like we work at a hospital. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's super tough. So what advice would you then have for somebody who is just, uh, is just starting up? But as a matter of fact, I had a conversation about, you know, somebody just starting up and, um, today. So what advice would you have for somebody as they're beginning as they need to continue beginning to create a saleable asset at the end? Yeah. yeah. I mean, document, document, document at the end of the day, you know, you have to have something that you can show a potential acquirer um, your process. And, uh, and when you have those relationships that are so important, you know, what, what acquirers are looking for is what is the future value of your business? And so if they look at your business and, you know, all the, you know, the recipes are just in your head and nobody, and, you know, you just kind of do it because you know it, Cause you know it the way, you know, my grandmother cooked, right. You know, you just know when you, when you got there and, uh, and no one else can do it, but you. And I, I will say this because my um, stepmother had a soul food restaurant for many years and she cooked everything and she did it all. It was all in her head and she, her kids worked there and they could never reproduce. It does, did not matter what she did, they can never reproduce it. People would come, they would buy her business all the time because it was so people around the block to come get Ann's soul food. She'd sell the business and then it would immediately go away. <laughs> and then she'd bring it, buy it back <laughs> and start all over again. And so you don't want that to be your business, right? You want it to, um, uh, to be, have a life beyond you. And so having documented processes in place and that can't start too soon. And even, you know, before you're even thinking about selling it. Anne was stuck in the kitchen because she could never leave it because nobody else could do it the way she did it. And you don't want that to be you. So even while you're growing the business, obviously having processes in place in order to scale, um, you know, you, there's a whole separate issue with compliance, which is, you know, your expertise, of course, but just from a, um, a scale, just pure scaling point of view and eventual sale point of view, document, document, document. Oh my God. I love that so much. Document, document, document might actually be written on my gravestone (laughs) right below. Leave your soap on for seven to 12 minutes. Which you should also document, by the way. So, okay. So now you have, now the question uh, switches to somebody like I have no, you know, like I love these guys, but I have a lot of older men who um, had an entrepreneurial aneurysm uh, in later in life. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And they build up a company and they're often very nice, tidy little companies. Uh, but they're like, dude, 70 is looming and I am tired. Yeah. So they're at the end of their business. Their children are probably not taken over, you know, I mean, because that's just not, it's a, that I, I think that happens a lot less frequently than, than we might assume. Um, and so what is your advice for somebody who's now kind of at the end and like, okay, time to start thinking about this. What does this look like? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's not too, it's never too late to get as many pieces in place as you can. Obviously, you know, there are some, you know, intellectual property and intellectual, you know, intangible assets are if you're, you know, feral in some ways. And so if you don't protect them at the onset, 
you do lose, there's some things you can never recapture, right? But, um, but if you have been kind of doing everything yourself, you don't have a succession plan in place, um, <clears throat> I would recommend working with a broker to find out what the, the market's looking for and, uh, and seeing, you know, start with the end in mind. You know, um, if, if the goal is to sell the business, which I hope it is, um, then they can help you, uh, you know, understand what, what, what's missing. You know, they can look at your business and say, okay, this is what's missing. Um, this is what you need, you need to add. Um, but, uh, you know, putting, putting, making yourself obsolete, you know, as soon as you can, you know, through processes um, is definitely, you know, you're going to be required. I mean, other, there's no other way to sell your business unless it, there, it runs in a way without you. Um, and so, you know, the, the acquirer will want to know, uh, you know, what is the visibility uh, and that is, you know, how, how far down the line, they, how they can see how your business fits with their business. Can they make it more profitable once they, once they fit it into theirs? Can they see that the success that you're having is something that they can repeat and improve on once they bring it in? And so, you know, if these guys are, you know, had these relationships, for instance, uh, that are undocumented, you know, to make sure that, that those are formalized. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of using expertise, you know, some, you know, you're an expert at food and, and do the relationships and that there are other experts who can help you with that, that last kind of the last mile there. So, yeah. That's super, that's super interesting. Okay, so my favorite question that I ask everybody because sometimes I get some really good recommendations is what are your favorite books? Uh, you know, as we, as there, what is the, um, who is it that said leaders or readers? Uh, uh, so yeah. what, are, what are your favorite books or other resources for people to take a look at so they can be prepared for this journey? Yeah, you know, I, I will say that a lot of the content that, that I consume is expertise based, but some that are really kind of, Broad. There's a couple of things that are broad that I think really would apply to your audience. And both of them are actually by a man named John Warlow, who is known for the book Built to Sell, which I believe he wrote probably 20 years ago. Okay. And, and it is about um, you know, how to systematize your business so that you are piece by piece removing you from um, the day-to-day and truly becoming the CEO of your business. So he has a book called Built to Sell. He also has a podcast by the same name called Built to Sell, where he interviews people who have had 99% of the interviewees are successful exits. Every once in a while, there's someone in there uh, that had an unsuccessful exit. And, uh, but you learn so much. And, and the, 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 the variety of, of uh, ex- exiters on there is very broad and uh, and certainly there are many that and you learn lessons regardless of the industry you'll just learn lessons there's always like a great some great takeaways about lessons learned about the exit process so I love his podcast and he also has a book called The Automatic Customer which I think is interesting for your audience because he talks about different ways that businesses have built monthly recurring revenue into their business and, uh, and for, you know, the food business, you know, it may like 
the way I think about it immediately living in a, in a rural area is, um, you know, um, uh, having farm shares and things like that, but I'm sure there's a number of other ways or, yeah, or, or, you know, the boxes that we get every month, you know, with, you know, from, from, uh, the people who kind of aggregate food and send them to you. So, but, but there are a lot of ideas in there about different ways of developing monthly recurring revenue that I think would be very interesting to your audience as well. That's really fascinating. I'm going to go totally check those out. That's going to be, that's going to be really pretty super as a business owner myself. (laughs) Exactly. We're all, we're all building businesses ourselves that we hope to build value in and have, uh, yeah, something to sell at the end. And then take value out of. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. So if my listeners want to learn more, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? Tell us all the details. Great. Yeah, well, I hang out on LinkedIn and I have been on LinkedIn so long that I am just Aaron Austin there. I've been there for ages. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Aaron Austin. Also, my website is thinkbeyondip.com. And if you go there, there is a link for a number of freebies there. I have a worksheet that um, helps you identify whether or not you have a Rembrandt in your attic. And, you know, I'm sure the food-based businesses um, absolutely have them. Um, so I think that would be fun, fun exercise for them to go through. And, uh, and I'm also, at the moment, offering uh, free coaching calls to walk through that uh, worksheet with with some people too. So all that, you can find all that on my website. Excellent. And we will link all of that in the podcast notes. Uh, That will be absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I have learned a ton. I have new resources to go check out, which is like my favorite thing ever. (laughs) Right. And now I have another, like, I'm going to go hunt down food business brokers because like, why not? Yes. Yes. Like a really good next thing to do. So thank you so much, Erin, for being here. This was really, really fascinating. Thank you for having me, Michelle. You bet. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a week full of awesome. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Food Safety University podcast. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I want you to go to dirigofoodsafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.